Thank you for joining us. For your encouragement, we've compiled a special message for you today from Pastor Ralph Douglas West, recorded at the Church Without Walls in Houston, Texas. Be encouraged. Don't leave home without it. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. His three-year ministry on earth is coming to a rapid close. He has spent three years teaching and preaching and healing. In each, he has attempted to explain the meaning and the purpose of that beautiful phrase that we come to know the kingdom of God. The difficulty in understanding such a term is because we live in a democracy where we elect officials. So it comes troublesome for some of us when we read what did God mean by kingdom? And especially when you read, and to his kingdom there shall be no end. We know whatever kingdom is, it has something to do with the reign of God and the rule of God. Some of you probably, as I talk, uh, Reflecting, saying, yeah, when Jesus started his ministry, he inaugurated it by preaching the kingdom. And now that he's about to consummate it, he ends it talking about the kingdom. So I don't have to tell you if Jesus Alpha is kingdom and Omega is kingdom. Then you might want to pay close attention when you read the scripture and come across the kingdom. But he knew, Jesus knew after all of those everyday teaching sessions that with his disciples that they would be looking at him on his last teaching assignment the way most of y'all are looking at me. <laughs> oh, Jesus said, here we go again. The kingdom of God and he says, it's gonna be like a wedding. Now when Jesus said that, everybody listening had an idea what he was getting to in the Middle East. We need a little help to understand how they did weddings. The bridegroom would be at the ancestral home and he would be flanked by his family and then surrounded by his friends. And then they would spill out of the house into the streets and they would set their attention to journey to the neighboring village where the bride would be or the next town. And they would go in a company committed to go get the bride-to-be. They would laugh and be exuberant and excited on their way and they would walk through the town and village until they got to the bride's house. They would pull out a riding animal 
carefully sit on top of it. And then his family and friends, the men folk, would constitute a disorganized parade. And they would walk from the bride's house and village back to the ancestral home of the bridegroom. They wouldn't take the short route on the return. They would walk through the village and through the streets through as many neighborhoods as they could so that when people saw them, they would raise their voices in excitement, exaltation, congratulatory statements. And so they would enjoy walking and she would enjoy riding. Well-wishers would line the streets and people would enthusiastically wave as they passed by. Sometimes this could be a long ride. You don't know exactly when the bride and the bridegroom would get back to the house. But at the house back home, where he left that morning, it would be another gathering of people and they would be there just waiting for the expected, unexpected arrival of the bridegroom. They expected that he would return. They just didn't know what time. And so they would gather that gaggle of people around that house waiting for him to return. In the company of the people waiting would be some young women. Nothing really distinguishable about them. They're just young women in the story. They do have a undercurrent theme in the Bible because the Bible can be overwhelmingly patriarchal and Jesus in this last story, particularly when Matthew writes it, which is highly Jewish and patriarchy, he puts the women at the center of this story to remind them that God is no respecter of person. Women, I would think that you would get excited about that. He places them there as also the representation of what the church would look like. That it would be a place for all people. And they waited. They had torches. And this was expected because the torches would provide not just light, but safety and security. You see, the wedding takes place during the hot months, the summer months. The cloudless sky and the blazing sun and the shining moon. The men wouldn't need torches. They could see in those moonlit deserts all that they needed to see, but the women needed the light in the night because they were women, young women out at night. They were not women of the night. They didn't carry their 
torches tarred the ground like a flashlight. They walked with the lit torches in front of them so that their identity could be revealed. People would know who they are and where they were going. And so they were there waiting while the bridegroom and the bride and his family and friends are parading around, taking the long route back to the house. They're just waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. But you never knew what time the bridegroom would get there. But if you were going to participate in the celebration, you had to wait. And nobody was checking their sand clocks. They knew that waiting was part of the expectation. But the spotlight on the scene turns back on the young women and they're waiting and they're exuberant and they're enthusiastic and they're laughable and affable and, and they're waiting and they got tired of laughing. And so they put their torches in a safe place. And before they knew it, they had all just drifted off to sleep. Some won't know the answer to this until they get to verse 13, but there are some that went to sleep in the security of the night. And some slept in, they didn't know it yet, insecurity. One day, all of us will go to sleep. And tonight, make sure when you close your eyes and you're folding your tent, go to sleep in security. They pray a prayer sometimes. I hear Sharita praying this prayer with uh, Ralph three. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Mama and daddy, you have a responsibility early in life to teach your children that it ain't no guarantee of how long any of us have on earth. This past, this year, I've had more than one or two or three people say to me, thank you. I would not be able to face this death had you not taught us not just how to live well, but how to die well. Don't spend all your life living on this side of the grave. Live your life in a way that when this side of life ends, 
God has another life on the other side of the grave. And they were asleep. I mean, they were out. And somebody heard in the distance the hoofs of the animal that carried the bride and the laughter of the friends and the shuffling of their sandals across the cobblestones and their silhouettes in the distance. And as he saw and heard and glimpsed, he cried out, he said, wake up, come on. The bridegroom is coming. And people got up. We don't know how they got up because all we have our attention on now are the girls in the story and they got up and the first thing they did was reach for their torches because it's still night and to go out in the night they need the light and as they make their way out the first thing they do is they get their torches and they begin to trim the wick because this is going to determine how bright the light shines and then they grab their flask and they pour into those ceramic bowls the oil the olive oil that they have carried with them Five of them are doing this. Five of them are looking around. They are trimming the wick, but there's no light because there is no oil. And that's what I want to tell you tonight in life. If, if you forget everything else, don't, don't forget this. Don't miss your moment in life. They don't come all the time, but whatever you do, don't miss your moment. Jesus gave a distinct principle when he made this one statement, some were wise and some were foolish. Some were sensible, some were senseless, some were prudent, some were imprudent, some were wise, and some were foolish. They were all young women, they all had life in front of them, they were all good, they all had ethics, all of them had theology, all of them were members of the church with our walls, all of them had a pastor, Ralph Douglas West, but you can be in all of that and it's still two groups of people here tonight, some are wise and some are foolish. Some are foolish because they live life and they miss the moment that would determine their future fate. They believe all life consists of what is right now. 
and they are the ones, even while Pastor West preaches, they're always nudging and talking about where we're going and what we're going to do. Nothing is ever really serious about them because they got a job. They make more money than their mom and daddy ever made. They drive a car with two names on it. They live on a certain floor and they believe and they have bought into the Manhattan structure of living that if I have enough material, that's where my security lies. And one day, the lights will go off and then who shall those things be? They, they were wise and foolish and some missed the moment and sometimes you miss the moment not because of something bad that you do, nothing evil, nothing like that. We miss moments of grand opportunity because we're just distracted. And distraction is one of the tools I believe the enemy can use in the life of people. They just distract you. They, it just clouds your vision. You don't cuss. You don't drink. You don't chew. You don't hang out with girls and guys that do distractions. You don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to know what distractions look like. Every year, our consciousness are driven back by the military to that early December 7th Sunday morning when Kermit Taylor was a lieutenant in the Air Force and he was on temporary reserve at the Air Force base. And when a call came in, when two privates saw a bleep on the screen, moving rapidly, movies have been made from this one line, don't worry about it. He said it because he knew that the bomber, the U.S. bomber plane was coming in. And so he knew that that's what was on the radar. Don't worry about it. But it was 180 Japanese firefighters, horizontal bombers, dive bombers, torpedo bombers. And it was the beginning of World War II because of one statement. Don't worry about it. Hey, 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 you, 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 Lord has blessed you. You've overcome this. Uh, don't you think it's time now that you get serious about living? <laughs> don't worry about it. You walk out to the car and say, you know, maybe we need to, as a family, think about what Pastor West said. You know, it said it was something different about that tonight, him saying that. And uh, I just think as parents, you know, he's <laughs> just a man. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you, you, know, you, know, we've, we've, you know, we've just come through 
a loss and God has regained us, don't you think it might be time for us not just to go in that building and, you know, and don't know nobody, don't talk to nobody. We, we run by folk as fast as we can. I think we may want to take fellowship more serious. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't miss your moment. By this time, the bridegroom comes back and, and now he's gone into the house, five wise young women. They, they're on their way to the ancestral house. Five foolish say, wait, wait, wait. We need, we need some oil. Could you lend us some? They asked kindly, and the five wise answer politely, no. It may not be enough for myself and you. Why don't you go and buy or bargain or borrow some oil? That, that's the second lesson that just leaps off the page, and that is in life's biggest future event will be a total surprise. Because we don't know when God's gonna show up, where, how, and yet he expects you to be prepared when he arrives. And they do, they go and borrow and they buy and bargain because everybody knew everybody. And so they go and get them some oil. But by the time they get the oil, the big surprise is they get to the door and the door is shut. You see, the reality is before the door is shut, they are not prepared. And, and come here, lend me your life for just one moment. Church, there are some things you can't borrow. You can't borrow somebody else's preparation. And I've seen this as a pastor in my, in my own vocation. I've seen it as a pastor with my members. I've seen people that try to live off of somebody else's preparation and then have the nerve to get mad at somebody because when they need what you have prepared for and you say no, then they say, and you supposed to be a Christian. No, the most Christian thing is no. You got a life, you got time. God has given you the same opportunity. Don't miss the moment at the biggest future event. Prepare yourself for the Lord's coming. And he's not telling when he's coming, where he's coming, how he's coming. Just be where you're supposed to be when he gets here.
one of my first professors of theology, Dr. T.W. Thompson, used to say to us when we were complaining about studying, he said, Mr. West, hopefully you are where God wants you to be. And if you are where God wants you to be and he comes back the day, he wants to find you reading and studying and working as hard as you can to help people understand how to prepare for his coming. Some of you right now, you are complaining about where you are and it's God who puts you where you are. How about enjoy where you are and just be prepared when the Lord comes back. You can't borrow somebody else's preparation. Wait, you can't borrow somebody else's character. Character is who you are when nobody's looking. You want to know what somebody's made out of. Don't get them on a public stage. Listen to them when there's nobody taking grades. That's who the real somebody is. If all you do in the private is talk about stuff and mess and junk, that's all you are. You ought to let your children and your friends and your spouse hear you talk about stuff that are eternal things that will not fall and fade and fall apart. You can't borrow somebody's preparation. You can't borrow somebody else's character. Can't do it. And when they get there, the door is shut. They got oil, and so now they are, they are, they are, they are trying to negotiate, trying to get in. But the problem was they didn't pack the oil ahead of time. They waited till the bridegroom came. Come here, because that's how some of us living. We gonna play on the edge as long as we can, and then when we get sick, Lord help me. When I lose my job, Lord help me. The Lord will help you, but he prefer to help you tonight while you got a job, while you got your health, while your family is put together, while you got future. Call on him now. They get to the door. They knock. And this is what you hear. Lord, Lord, that's not the first time you heard Jesus use them words. One time he was preaching a sermon in chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the same gospel. He said, not everybody who call me Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Just because you sprinkle your speech talking about, well, just praise the Lord and I'm going to shout my way through it and I'm going to praise my way. You can talk all that jive and don't have no kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ unless you're able to love your neighbor like you love yourself. 
thank you for listening to today's message. For more information about the Church Without Walls, visit us at churchwithoutwalls.org. To find more great resources and additional messages from Pastor West Ministries, visit ralphdouglaswest.com. Be encouraged.